Travel Tales Podcast. I'm talking with Dwayne Perkins. How are you, Dwayne? Hey, Mike. How are you? Thanks. Good. Thank Thanks. you for coming. Good. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm well. Yes. Comedian, actor, writer. What else? What am I missing? Uh, big brother, <laughs> uh, son, and a uh, dancer. <laughs> Tybo expert? Tybo. Tybo uh, enthusiast. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> So, Dwayne Perkins, if you don't know, a uh, comedian who's, uh, you have a lot of credit. You've been on, uh, well, I guess, uh, Craig Ferguson. Did you do Letterman? I haven't or? done Letterman yet, but I've done Ferguson. I've done uh, did Conan four times. Four times? Yeah. In New York or New when York, you're here? In okay. New York. And then once, uh, The Tonight Show, Tonight Show with Conan. Okay. But also, I was a, a correspondent for uh, Jay Leno when he had right, his 10 right, o'clock right. show. I... Um, that's a whole other show. That's that, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that ten o'clock show. It was good. I mean, I think I think hey, it's national TV. I mean, you, yeah. how many other places can you go up on national TV and do your thing? Exactly. You know? I think having Kanye on the first episode hurt. I want to say that because <laughs> <laughs> I, I read after Kanye West had done the uh, Taylor Swift thing. Yeah, right. And I th- I was I was going to be on that first one, and I got bumped by Kanye. <laughs> And um, it was all downhill from there, I feel. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you should have stolen some kind of award from Taylor Swift, and then you would have been... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Arrested is what right. I would have been. <laughs> yeah, somehow we can get away with that. Right, right. Kanye from my hometown, Chicago. Chi-town, I love Chicago. You were just there, right? Yeah, last week I was in Chicago. Doing the zanies. Doing the zanies, yeah. It's a great town, isn't it? It's, it's a really, as a New Yorker, you go to Chicago and you're like, yes. Yes. Like, this, people don't have to be assholes. This, this can exist. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can have a big city and have some elbow room. Yeah. I don't know how you guys do it because I'm, I'm, when I'm in Chicago, I'm, I always look around. I'm amazed at the infrastructure and the, and the architecture. And I'm like, I get it now. We have, we have a lot of extra people in New York who are not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. So we can get, get rid of some of the extra people. Right, right, you know, right. No particular race. Just, there's just some people who <laughs> they they're clearly not adding, but <laughs> yeah. I guess the reverse. Oh, we got side, plenty of those in Chicago. Yeah, right, too. right. The reverse side of it is that I think that when people like Chicago, when it's Chicago, is called the second city, and and when you when you go there, you're like, this is every bit of what New York is in terms of infrastructure, and I think the only thing missing are the people. Yeah, and so. I guess people generate a certain amount of energy. Don't get me wrong. Chicago has, what, three, four million people yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But because New York has maybe double the people in and it's also accessible. the same space. Yeah, you know? it's accessible. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the fact that uh, in, you know, Manhattan's an island and it's all these little islands, there's only a few ways in or out. You know, right, you got bridges right, and tunnels. Right, right, right. And if you want to get in or out, it's jammed in yeah. there. I mean, it, uh, Chicago is just more accessible. And, and also the fire... The Chicago Fire helped kind of like clean the slate. So a lot of those old right. layouts, so they put it on a nice grid, right. you we, know, we, and they spread it out a little more. You know, whereas New York still has to deal with stuff that was there from yeah, you're like in the East 18 Village, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and the streets are crazy, and they go, "Why was oh this was a ho- a horse trail, right? Or the, right, you know, right, right. a farmer used to use this for his cows." It's incredible that you guys had a fire take out a city. That's, yes, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem possible when you're thinking about nowadays, but I guess. Yeah. Sprinkler systems back then were really what they were. Right, you know? exactly. It's a, <laughs> just guys throwing buckets of water. Right. But, but yeah, but Chicago, I mean, it's just amazing. You know, when I, I've been to Frankfurt, Germany. It's been a long time. But uh, when I was there, it felt like Chicago to me a bit. Like, it just felt like it was a nice, clean city. 
Well, like you know. when I first you uh, you were a Brooklyn kid by yeah, way yeah. of Boston, then you went up to Boston. No, yeah, well, actually, yeah, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. Okay, and then I lived in Boston for like four years, four or five years, and then came to LA. Okay, so yeah, when I first moved from Chicago to Brooklyn, my first thought of Brooklyn was, well, this looks like Chicago. Yeah, I can you know, see that. The neighborhoods see. and the brownstones and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, actually, when you're in Zanies, when you're at Zanies, yeah. and then you go to, I want to say, Tort Lincoln Park. I don't know Chicago that North. well. Yeah, you go but, up. But I've, I've been in a, in a car with people, and it's a, you, you drive a part, through a part of Chicago that has, like you said, the Brooklyn yeah. brownstone look to it. So, yeah, I could see that. And so yeah. I went there, and I said, well, this looks like Chicago. And then I went to Boston for uh-huh. the first time, and I said, well, this is like a little Chicago. You right, know? It's like right, right, right. The Irish run it, you know, <laughs> right, and that kind of right, thing. Right. But it's still, it's very segregated in it, its own way. Right, But right. it's a town of very, uh, na- you know, strict neighborhoods right, of where right, you're at, right. and everybody hates New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I said, well, it's a lot like Chicago in that way. It's like a smaller Chicago. I wonder if Chicago hates New York more than... I think Boston hates New York more. Boston hates them, I think, a little more. Because it's so close. It's in our backyard. Yeah, Yeah. but I think for for us, it was more of a... It is that second city kind of inferiority complex, you know? But but it's it's even deeper for Chicago. It should be in a sense that it's second city when you have the better city. You know, it's like... <laughs> in, well, in New Yorkers of, will say it's not better. You know, well, you're, you know better of, is a relative. I'm a New Yorker, right? Right. In terms of comfort, like New York is a city that never sleeps and mm-hmm. like... It's a little more livable and affordable in... In Chicago. If you're in your 20s... Just the and, winters suck. That's it. Yeah, if you're in your 20s and you, you probably, you know, other than Miami, which is another kind of cheese factor, yeah. but you may not be able to find a place where there's as many social outlet opportunities as New York. No, it's the best. It's the yeah. best for that. Yeah. But then if you're like, if, if you're a, a city person who kind of like... Wants some room. You, you're a little over <laughs> the smells and different things of that cities offer, yeah. then Chicago all of a sudden becomes like a really attractive looking right. place. If yeah. you're tired of living in a 400 square foot uh, exactly. room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you grew up in Brooklyn. Grew up in Brooklyn. Coney Island to be exact. Coney Island. Yes, yes. So you were uh, with all the Russians. Was, this, was it very Russian um, back then? Well, you know what happens is um, the Russians have actually infiltrated my, na- my part of Coney Island. Okay. Coney Island is a, a, a adjacent to next to uh, Brighton, Brighton Beach. Brighton Beach and yeah. Brighton Beach is more Russian right and, and so when, when you say Coney Island you think of both but the, the Coney Island part was like a, like a lot of neighborhoods maybe in the 30s 40, maybe in the 50s was maybe 40s or 50s was a um, Jewish yeah an Italian kind of thing and then they built projects and you know that, that story and, and so and then the Warriors came and right ran then the Warriors came yeah <laughs> I love that movie. That, for a long time, that was one of my favorite. It still is one of my favorite. Well, movies. that was your. They came. I, I remember seeing the map as a kid. I didn't know New York then, yeah, but I yeah. remember seeing the map and they, they showed the subway riding right, all the way right, to Central right. Park, and they showed these guys in the subway. They basically went from. It's very simple. They went from the last stop in the Bronx yeah. to I think the, the the last or first. How you, depending on how you look at it, stop in Brooklyn because Coney Island is the last stop. Is that the F train? Um, back when I was growing up, a lot of trains go there. The F, the N. The, the, the B, NR? the D, not the R. The okay. R goes to the R goes to um, to Bay Ridge. Where, oh yeah, okay. With John Travolta. That's right. Danced. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we're, we're aging ourselves, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but you saw. I mean, I mean, even now, I mean, you saw the change of Brooklyn from when it was. You know, it was rough. I mean, my, it was rough. I lived in Park Slope. In ninety six, ninety seven. Wow, it got I, a lot better since then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, now I go back and I can't even imagine what our apartment w- went for. And now, right. I mean, it's it's crazy nice, but 
in the 80s, 70s and 80s, my aunt lived in Park Slope. Oh, wow. And I visited there, and it was, it was rough. You know, it was, I mean, yeah. all of Brooklyn. Yeah. I, I remember going out there. Well, actually, the whole city in the 70s and 80s was kind of yeah, rough. Yeah, yeah. But um, what a difference in like 10 years of me going back. You know, the weird thing is I have a joke about it that I, I probably can do here since I don't know if this... Well, I'm falls, a great audience. This is... <laughs> right. <laughs> if it falls under travel. But I, you know you have these jokes as a stand-up. You know, you have jokes that you just never finish for some reason. And yeah. you don't throw them away, but then you don't finish them. And then <laughs> some of those jokes, four years later, you pick them up and then you all of a sudden they're like the gems. And you're like, mm-hmm. why didn't I use this? It, you, you weren't ready four years ago. The joke may have been ready, but you weren't ready right. to tell it, you know. But I have a joke about... um. Real estate, and because uh, I say, so I jokingly say I'm thinking about getting into real estate, which I'm not, but I say, because uh, I understand real estate. Real estate is basically uh, white people running from black people in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> and if you can pick up that trend and that pattern, you can make a good amount of money. But what it also is, is it's also black people running from other black people. <laughs> so <laughs> I think people don't understand. Like, if you're in a white neighborhood and uh, a black family moves in, you're good if you hold the line. Because that family completely is, they deserve to be there. Right. But you may, they may not, at that, depending on the situation, there may not be a, a neighborhood full of black people who should be there. And when I say should be there, let's say like <laughs> have the same values a, as the people who are already in that neighborhood. Right. That first black family, they want to be there, they should be there. And if you hold the line, <laughs> right, you're good. You're going to have what, like a South Pasadena situation. Right, right. But if you don't hold the line and everyone sells and moves, then. You can't fill it in quick enough with the right sort of people, you know? No, I had that growing up in my life. I mean, well, this block, I mean, you look at it, the one we're sitting in right now, I mean, on each side of me are black families that have been here for 45 years, you know? So they've they've seen, uh, this was rough, like even 10 years ago, we weren't, you know, uh, I was not welcome here, you know? Right, right, right. So I've seen that change happening here, but usually... And I saw it growing up, too. Growing up, my, fam- my family moved to this town just south of uh, the city, south of Chicago, about 40 minutes south. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like a subdivision of another suburb, you know. Right. Um, but it was always integrated. It was always that way, you right, know. And, right, uh, right. and it was a smaller town, but uh, it didn't really have a lot of history. So I think well, that's one of the reasons I, I love any places that are old and have history right, and anything right. like that. But. I saw firsthand the yeah. in the 70s the flight what? of uh you know all of a sudden these white families th- these kids that I grew up with all of a sudden they were leaving they were going that far they're going like two towns over right right and right like, and I didn't I wasn't old enough to process it why they would right. but you're just going over there but the thing is that <laughs> and we call it white flight but it's really middle class flight or yeah. it's it's really fl- like a, a class flight but it, it you know it has the the veneer. It might seem like it's white flight, no, but the longtime black families left as well. I mean, they all right. left. Nobody right. stuck around because, you know, when when they started to get vacancies in the late seventies right, and stuff like right, that, right. And then HUD took over a lot of the housing right, and, and right. stuff like that, and then everything just went. And that's why it's it's like it's black people running from other black people too, you <laughs> yeah. know, or, or it's it's everyone running from the element in quotes, whatever right. the element is, you know, <laughs> and and so in my joke, I, I jokingly say. And the weird thing is they make us switch neighborhoods every 30 years, and I don't know how they do that. Because, like, like, Coney Island is a case, uh, especially Park Slope is an even better case yeah. in Brooklyn, where it was like a white neighborhood, and then black people came from wherever they came, be it down south or something for opportunity. Mm-hmm. Then the white people moved to the suburbs, and then, you know, 
30 years passed and the white people are like, oh, man, we we messed up. We live like an hour. We have an hour commute, hour and a half commute to the city to work. And the city's kind of, you know, we have that great city there that no one's kind of using, you know. And then they they try to make a switch. But how do you switch? Well, you send in the gay guys. Yeah. You, you send in the gays. And the gays, <laughs> they fix it up. No one messes with them. It's okay. Then, right. You know, yeah, the, the, it always happens. Uh, first come the artists. The artists, because they need right. the space. You know, so you get your bands, you know, need rehearsal space, right. painters and stuff. And they'll take over. They'll squat in buildings and stuff like, like the East Village or whatever it was. Right, right. And then uh, with them, follow the gay guys. And they, you know, have the money to, like, all of a sudden some new cafes start popping right. up and some theaters, right. some galleries. And, right, right. And then, the, you know, the, the hipsters. couples, hipsters. Yeah, yeah the hipsters yeah. come in. And then, and then the kids out of college. And then, and then the yuppies come. And then, you know, the artists got to move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's, yeah, that's the other flight. The artists are like, oh, yeah. damn, they're yuppies here now. You know, they're, they're like businessmen and, and right. investment bankers. We're out. You well, know? that's what happened to San Francisco. They, they always say that there's no new bands that come out of San Francisco anymore. And the fact is they can't afford to live there. Right. So they all like live in Oakland now. Right, right, <laughs> no. right, right, right. So right, parts right. of Oakland are changing and everything yeah, yeah. like that. So you grew up in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. And uh, did your family, like, did you, did you take trips? Did you travel much at all? Uh, not too much. Like, uh, first time I ever flew was in college on a conference to go down to Florida. So, yeah, no no trips. I mean, a trip would be like going to Pennsylvania to right. go shopping. That, was a, that would be a trip. Were you one of those New York families with no car? Did you? No car, yeah. yeah right, yeah. okay. No car so at you, all. you took um, the train to Pennsylvania? We would take a bus. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Port Authority. I, <laughs> well, um, or like people would organize bus trips okay. to go to Reading to go shopping. <laughs> what were the stores in Reading? It was just you this know, is the pre IKEA days, so there wasn't right, any. Right. Well, hap- trips. What happens when you're from like a New York City or something? The the and now I now that I live in LA and you know I drive right, I can see how much of a sham it was right. But when you're in the <laughs> inner city, you just you just you dream of going to an outlet. Like you're like there are outlets just somewhere. miles of shelves <laughs> yeah. like somewhere. Because when you when you're from New York, like even even if you pass Westchester, you're in the country. You know, right. like if you if you if you're from New York City, <laughs> an hour outside, you're like, this is what is this? What <laughs> you know? Do we have to live off the land? Yeah. Like what what's going on? <laughs> There's trees and woods and nature. <laughs> right, right. So the 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 notion of the outlet. A lot of people made a lot of money from like. I'm going to organize a bus trip. We're going to go to Reading, Pennsylvania and get this. They don't have sales tax. Ooh. Ooh right. So, yeah. you know, people would organize, organize uh, these trips and you would go for like your back to school shopping or what have you. And right. Just, just, and now you like, I drive around and there's, there's outlets everywhere. I mean, you still have outlets, <laughs> outlets in Camarillo on your way to Santa, um, on your way to Santa Barbara. But to, to, to think that you'd organize a bus trip to go to them now is really <laughs> silly. Well, I would see those uh, the the IKEA right next to Newark Airport. Yeah, yeah. And they have bus trips from New York to go to the IKEA. I would see it just all right. That's hilarious. <laughs> I know so people like getting in with these massive boxes. I mean, they got to shove them On underneath. The bus. The, yeah. Wow. Well, that's city life. It's it's you get used to it, and you uh-huh. get, you get unused to it too. Like. I, I could I could easily go back to New York, but the, the thought of like not having a car and like walking to the grocery store, for instance, right? And you have to have a either a shopping cart or you you can you have to say I'm going to take three bags full of sh- groceries home and that's it. <laughs> or you make fifty trips. You got to go there <laughs> right, every day. Right, you right, walk right, by right. your little Korean grocer guy, and then you got to get your stuff. You know, yeah. It's it's a 
it's weird. It's like convenient, but it's it's harder in a sense because yeah. you know. And plus, once you come out here, you get soft. I mean, you do get a little comfortable and that used to true. having some space. And um, so, talk about that first flight. I mean, so yeah, you were yeah. going down to Florida from Boston. Um, from New York. I went to school in New York. Uh, Wait a minute. So you went to Boston for four or five years. But so that wasn't for school? No, no. And I, I should say it was for school because then that would give me four years of youthfulness. Okay. But actually, <laughs> I, I went to Boston to work after school. Okay. I got a job in, in the computer field. And uh, and I, I was doing. I just started doing stand-up. So actually, it's weird. I had a job interview in Arizona for like Motorola. It was like a big deal. Wow. But I didn't go to the interview because um, – I don't know if I would have got the job, but they were interviewing 24 people for 12 jobs. That's good odds. Good odds. And that's why I didn't go, because I didn't want to get the job and then be faced with that dilemma of... Shit, now we got to move to Arizona. Should I go to Arizona for this great job? (laughs) Because I wanted to do stand-up. And and when I I thought about it, I was like, Arizona is... What do I know about Arizona and stand-up? And, you know, (laughs) I knew nothing. What do I know about Boston and stand-up? Well, Jay Leno's from Boston and Steve... Uh, Steve White and um, all these people. So not Steve White. Um, Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright. Excuse me. Well, so Boston has a million comics. Yeah. Arizona so, has Shandling and David Spade. That's it. Oh, is that right? So yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know they were from <laughs> there. It. Maybe if I knew Gary Shandling was from there, I would have uh, taken. <laughs> no, you made the right call. I think I, I made th- the right call. Yeah. I think I don't think you would have fit in in Arizona. No, nah, no. Nah. So I was. Uh, so this first flight, and this was a while ago when uh, when the phone still worked. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. On, on, <laughs> and it's really New York to Florida is like. A, Hour, two hour flight maybe yeah. it's not that but I uh, I caught my mother on the flight I think I'm I don't know how I did it I guess I had a credit card I think I just oh, on got the, a, on the seat on the seat phone yeah yeah that, not not from a cell phone oh, from, yeah. from the so you plane you paid like $5 a minute right hey just to, just to <laughs> mom I'm in, I'm in the air here you'll never you guess know? where I am yeah and my mother wouldn't fly on a plane until maybe 10 or 12 years after that oh really yeah yeah so it was great I mean I wasn't too scared you know um I didn't. I didn't know at the time because I didn't know I was going to be doing stand up. I didn't know that I would be flying, like yeah, all every the time. week. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, my first flight I remember as a kid was Chicago to Florida one nice, year, nice. and for that all that time, I had grandparents living down there. We would drive, and it was like a two uh, oh, wow. two day thing, yeah, you yeah. know. And I just thought that's what Florida was. It's two days in the car, you know, right, and that's where right. we do it. And it just blew me away that I could get. That morning, onto a plane in Chicago where it's freezing, fly, and the same day, it's a few hours later, walk right, off, right. and it's, I'm looking at palm trees. I'm right, going, I couldn't right. believe it. It blew me away. Like, uh, uh, we could have been doing this the whole time? Exactly. <laughs> my, my dad's like, no, we couldn't afford to fly. <laughs> you know, that's still a miracle. That's, a, that's the thing I think people don't realize is, um, you know, as a comic, you're going to do airplane humor because we travel a lot. And right. I try not to do any. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I have any airplane humor. But regardless of the size of the seat, the peanuts, whatever, <laughs> yeah. they make you pay for sandwiches now. Whatever it is, the current state of um, air travel, it's still a miracle. Like you're still yeah. like getting on a plane, and eighteen hours later you're in Dubai. Or yeah, something. it's like what you yeah, know. Within like, five minutes of when they told you that they, you were going to land, right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right, right, it's exactly. amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. So. That brings me to now that you not only traveled around the country, you've gone to many other countries. Yes, yes, at this point, yeah. How did that happen, and how did you first start performing overseas? You know, it's weird. I, I'll, I'll tell you, like, like actually, the literal, literally how it happened, but I think from a, um, 
sort of mystical or metaphor. I guess mystical would be. There's another word too, uh, metaphysical. I don't know if that's the right word, because I've, 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 I truly believe how it happened is, I think I got a passport, <laughs> and I think then travel came up. Right, and, it's like, and well, I got to use this thing. Right, and <laughs> but it came up not even through me, you know. And I think the same thing. That's why I won't own a gun. I just won't have a gun because it's like you'll use it. Eventually. Yeah, like if you buy a gun, it seems like the need to use it. That's going to precipitate the need to use it, and you don't, you know. So it's like just not having one is better, right? And for me, at least. Some people would feel like, well, what if you need it? Well, if I need it, then you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's. I don't think the gun would have helped me in that situation if I <laughs> if I need a gun. So anyway, um, I was at USC um, in uh, business school. Like so, flash ahead, pre comedy, post no. After comedy. Oh, really? Yeah. So basically, undergraduate in New York, New York Institute of Technology. Uh-huh. Four letters. It's really, it's really awful when you have four <laughs> letters in you. It's no good. Don't go to N-Y-I-T. school. N-Y-I-T. Yeah. Don't, do not go to school that has uh, four letters in the acronym. <laughs> Keep it to three. Two is okay as well. Um, <laughs> so anyway. Then four of it ends in a CC. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> so then I went to Boston to work. Then I, I applied to USC out here in California to go to uh, grad school. Mm-hmm. And so I was there in grad school, and they have a program where the like third semester of your business school, you travel abroad and you kind of like learn business in another country. Oh, that's great. So because of that, I had to buy my passport. But then I was dating a girl in Boston at the time, and I was at USC. And um, that was the first time in my life where I, had, where I was like, like seriously around people as smart as me, like as a rule, and it's a, it's a different it's a different flow, you know. When because then you have to like work a little harder. Yeah. But I was still doing comedy. But business school, everyone passes business school. You have to really mess up to not pass, but or not pay your tuition. Right, or not pay your tuition. <laughs> but I did something worse where I was doing fine. I was getting into it, and you know when I decided to leave business school was when I started to care too much. Because my plan was, you know, that as a as a comic, you have that have that moment where you like, you sort of say, okay, I'm 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 gonna not have the backup plan anymore because it's holding me back. And so this like this is a hell of a backup plan, right? To be in business school, I got a job at HP for the summer, doing some sort of project management. Like I was. And so once you're on that track, you're in. That's right, you and I, and it felt like I felt like I don't know if I can keep. I don't. I don't know if I can keep going down these two paths, you know. I was doing comedy here in L.A. I would, like, uh, I was out every night at a comedy show and then get up and be in business school every day, every morning. And, again, it... You're like Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it wasn't like... (laughs) It's not community (laughs) college at that point. It's double life. It's serious. It's it's a serious thing. And then the girl I was dating in Boston, she said something that rocked my core. She says, uh, she said, I thought, you know, I always thought you were going to make it because you're pretty funny. But now I don't know. You're doing this... You know, it seems like you're not going to make it. So did you I mean, feel like, so did you not go overseas? I did not because I, because a, I, I left Comedy One, school. huh? Yeah, but I had the passport. Okay. So I took a leave of absence and I had the passport. I went back to Boston to be, to, I, I could have gone to New York, which would have been more logically, logical from a right. stand-up <laughs> standpoint. But it was good because I went to Boston and that year I wrote some really good jokes that really propelled me. And by the time my my class, by the time the people I w- 
was in school with, when they graduated business school, it's only a two-year program. So it was like a, another year and a half. I did Conan like the week after they graduated. Wow. So that was kind of like well, you were that was in. my first you were Conan. In. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. my first Conan. Well, and you got it pretty quick then. Yeah. And, and well, I was doing comedy like five, four or five years before I went to business school. Oh, okay. And then so. Wow, you really didn't trust yourself in, to, <laughs> well, <laughs> in comedy, did you? Well, I never, I never had done it full time. I lived in Boston where. No, I know. No, it's hard to let go. I mean, especially, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of comics, you know, school was not their thing. You right, know, right, I mean, right, right, right. No, the I fact was. that you were good in it. Yeah, I had an undergraduate degree in computer science and was about to get an MBA and just. Did your parents think you were crazy? No. For leaving business school? Well, luckily, I come. Since I'm from like the inner hood, they, they kind of. I just told them what I would do and they would just would always be okay with it. Because um, I had already done enough. They weren't like, no, you were the one who was supposed to make no, it. You were yeah, supposed were, to run the business. Right. No, I was fine. <laughs> but, but the only thing is, you know, if I, if I didn't do that, I probably would have ended up in Northern Cali working for HP. And I, I could have got caught up in, who knows, the Facebook, like that whole. Yeah. You could have been a dot-com millionaire. Yeah, right? that whole thing could have went down. <laughs> but um, it's cool. I'm, I'm happy with. So I go back to Boston. I write these jokes. And then and I have the passport, right? So I have the passport about a year later, a year and a half later. No, maybe a year. No, a year and a half. Excuse me, a year and a half. I do Conan. Um, then right after I do Conan, this guy in, in Boston who books these one-nighters all over, his name is Dick Doherty, right? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. <laughs> he, in Boston, there's a marriage between comedy and uh, Chinese food restaurants. <laughs> oh, I've heard this. It's, it's the weirdest like all along, all along Route um, like uh, 128 and Route 93 in Boston, like there's a com- there's a Chinese restaurant and they do comedy on the weekends. It's just this <laughs> right. weird kind of. So this guy Dick Doherty, he's the king of that. He had uh, a place called the Aku Aku in in Worcester, Mass. He had a comedy there. That was like it's like 40 minutes east of Boston. Oh yeah, had, I've been there. He had the China Blossom up on uh, I think Route 93. He had, so he had a few of these things. So he'd string together these one-nighters and right. everything else. Completely unrelated. This guy, Dick Doherty, who... And you needed your passport to do this. That- <laughs> right, right. No, right. Exactly. <laughs> but this guy, Dick Doherty, somehow, it's so weird, who has these... He, he's forged these relationships with, with these Chinese restaurants to do comedy. B-rooms, as we call them, yeah. for the people. He calls me one day, and he's like, I got a gig for you in Hong Kong. You know? And I'm like, wait. <laughs> Now I'm thinking. Now that is a Chinese restaurant gig. <laughs> right. I'm like, so why you just? <laughs> they don't put you up, but you know. <laughs> right. We tie it in with Worcester. You do right. Worcester on Thursday, Hong Kong Friday. Right. You can have your food young, but you know, <laughs> you don't order the lobster free egg tail. rolls. Yeah, you, you're left side of the menu. That's all you get. Left side of the menu. <laughs> and so to me, it was just like you had a gig in Hong Kong, and the thing, and, and there was also a restaurant on, on, on Route One in Boston called the. Um, the Kowloon. Okay. That wasn't Dick Doherty, but that's also a Chinese restaurant called Kowloon. They did comedy on the weekends as well. <laughs> and, and so then when this guy calls me to do a gig in Hong Kong, it was so weird. And that's the first time I went uh, to do comedy overseas. And uh, it turns out the, the real story behind it is there was an open micer who did Dick's Rooms, right. this guy Dick's Rooms. And then no one heard from him. He ended up in Hong Kong. And, and this was at the beginning of the dot-com boom. He was over there working for a dot-com and decided he was going to do a show in Hong Kong. So he was going to book comics. And book comics. He didn't know any, anyone. 
So he called Dick Doherty, the only person he knew in comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and Dick Doherty sent me over. And as I mean, I don't, I don't think I was super paid. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think, I, think I got paid not as much as I should have. I didn't know, but as I'm in my hotel room, right off the, um, you know, the water in Hong Kong, and it's like uh, I'm in this nice hotel, like a four or five star hotel. Wow. And across the bay is the city of Kowloon. Yeah. Which is, I was like, it's kind of, <laughs> I'm looking at Kowloon. I perform at Kowloon, you know, every, you know, every, yeah. every month, and I'm looking at <laughs> the actual Kowloon. The actual Kowloon. So that was kind of cool, you know? So that was your first taste. You went to Hong Kong. Yeah. For, yeah. How long was that gig? Like three days or something? Four days? Yeah, I was there like a week. I stayed an extra day or two. It was, was it great. mostly like, well, Hong Kong had a lot of English speaking Brits and everything a of, else. A lot of expats, yeah. And, um, it was really awesome there. I took the train, and it was mm-hmm. just... I still haven't been. Hong Kong is great. I, wanna, I haven't been back. I'm trying to get back. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was um, I'm on a train. As a comic, people think it's like, like fun. It's fun, but people think it's, gl- it's glamorous. You spend, like, what, 70% of the time completely alone. Yeah, by yourself. In your hotel Probably room. Probably more. Yeah, yeah boy. In your hotel room, walking around malls. Malls and yeah. coffee shops and things like that. So I'm on a train and I don't I haven't really met anyone yet, but I'm in Hong Kong, it's going well. These black guys are on a train. So I'm like, okay, I gotta talk to these guys, right? <laughs> I talk to them, they have English accents, they're pretty cool, English guys. And then uh they invite me out that night. Mm-hmm. And so I, I meet up with them and we're hanging out. We we're going from bar to bar and it's a great time. We get to the, we get to this one place and where he knows the the uh bouncer and he's talking to the bouncer and then uh this other guy comes up that they know. Now, this guy's uh, Chinese, right? And then he's a little drunk, the Chinese guy. Then the bouncer, who's also Chinese, won't let him in. And they start going back and forth in, uh, I guess, Cantonese, right? Right. Because it's Hong Kong. And then they, almost, they start fighting, right? And the black guy jumps in and breaks it up. And this is when I learned he speaks Cantonese. <laughs> <laughs> And that was really the one. That was one of the most surreal moments of my life because I'm like, what? What is happening? That the black guy speaking Cantonese breaks up a fight between two Chinese guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, wait a minute! I've been watching these movies my whole life. They're gonna start kicking and right. running up on the walls. Right. <laughs> I've been watching Jackie Chan my whole life, and now I'm here. Right, right. Now maybe you know, maybe the black guy spoke Cantonese, or maybe he just learned how to say it ain't worth it in Cantonese. <laughs> And he just kept saying that over and over again. That was uh, that was, and the cops were there like m- within minutes. They don't mess around in Hong Kong, you know. Well, give me a rundown over the years of how many. What are the some of the other countries you've been to? I know you've been to Africa. Yeah, I've been to um, for comedy. I've been to Hong Kong. <coughs> excuse me, Hong Kong. Been to Korea, but that was U.S. troops. But you're right. right. I, I've been to Korea four times actually. Wow. I've been to South Africa, not for the troops, but for comedy. I've been to Israel. Right. Twice. Avi was here. Avi Lieberman yeah, was okay. here. Did yeah, you do Avi, his tour? Yeah, he took me twice. Yeah. I've been to um, Dubai three times. Been to Germany for the troops a bunch of times. Been to Kosovo. It's hard to say because the former Yugoslavia, it's hard to say what yeah, yeah. countries what. But I've been in Kosovo three times. Um, Sarajevo. I've been to, uh, which is a city, but. Right. Hard to say what country's in at this point. <laughs> I've been to uh, England a bunch of times. Been to uh, Scotland once. 
been to the Netherlands, been to Amsterdam. Oh, man. Um, These are all performing. All performing, all doing comedy, yeah. I've been to, uh, I, I know I'm forgetting somewhere. Or do I have every place? Germany? Blah, blah, blah. Australia? Not Australia yet. That's oh, really? crazy. I'm I want to go there. Not Australia yet. Japan? Um, yeah, Japan, yeah. Like okay. Four or five times I've been to Japan. Um, four or five times? Man. Yeah, I've been to Japan. A, I want to see that bunch. passport now. That thing's, yeah, you must like, be on your second one I'm now. I'm on my second one, yeah, yeah. You have to ever had to add pages? No, no, but uh, <laughs> I've gotten into some trouble because I've been to uh, Qatar okay. on my way to Afghanistan. I've been in Afgan- Afghanistan as well. Wow. And um, I think I named, I named ma- most of them. I might be forgetting one or two. Um, I've been to Kenya and Tarzan. Um, Tanzania? Tanzania, excuse me. I was going to say Tarzana. Tarzana. I used to live in Tarzana. <laughs> Tanzania. You did about three Tarzana jokes. <laughs> right, <I remember>. right. <laughs> but I, but I was um, for a commercial shoot. That wasn't, uh, I wasn't doing stand-up. But you did a commercial in Tanzania? Yeah, yeah, for GE. Wow. I play a doctor. It was a good commercial. One of these minute-long commercials that played during the uh Must have been difficult Olympics. for them to find a, a black uh, actor in Tanzania. Yeah, I know, right? I know. <laughs> no. We got to fly this guy out. They did. They flew me over there uh, first class. It was good times. Oh, that's, that's the way to go. Times. Oh, you know where else I've been? Three times I've been here, but for one night is uh, because of the way the travel works. I've been to um, Vienna, like Austria. I've been there three times, but only one night. Just passing time. through every time? Well, because of the former Yugoslavia, the way it's been split up. Yeah. Like, you can't travel from Kosovo to Sarajevo. You have to, like, go to Vienna. and Yeah, then, one part Serbia, one yeah, part... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Serbs and the uh, Bosnians have split, so... Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I was in Croatia. That's as close as oh, I got. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Croatia's nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. So of all those places, where did you find like the hardest place to do comedy and the most fun? Well, because some of them were for the troops, you know. Yeah. Like Aside a, from the troops, I mean, yeah, you're, yeah. no brainer. I know most of those for the troops are. Uh, I mean, everybody. I've never performed for the troops, but everybody who uh, right, I right. talk to has. They just they're just thankful you're there, and they can, most of the time, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but the conditions can be, you know, right, you're outside right, right. in a tent or whatever, or not even. I think. Um, Probably Amsterdam. I had really good sets there, but I think they brought me over based on I think one or two bits they mm-hmm. saw that were like the bits like where I, I was rapping or they were really sort of uh, high energy kind of bits because they speak English really well. Yeah. But even no matter how well you speak a language, when it's your second language, there's like subtlety and things you don't get. So it just makes sense if you are just like big. Like, I heard 50 Cent, the rapper, 50 Cent, talking, and he was saying how he was big in, like, Thailand and stuff because he has, like, melody in his raps. So they don't really have to know what he's saying. They just kind of like, go ahead, mama, show me how (laughs) you move it. They can just kind of – and it's kind of worked like that in Amsterdam where it was like I needed a a bit more – you know, some more face mugging, some Mm -hmm. more – just something to be like – you know, I know you don't know what I just said, but you should be laughing now. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I've always, I've always envied, uh, I've always envied musicians in that aspect that they can just take their music anywhere around the world, and yeah, a beat right. is a beat, no matter where you're right. at. Right, and it, it sounds the melody, good and, and sounds, and, and right, right. And even if they don't know the language, they they can they enjoy it. And, right, right. And I see these bands performing everywhere, and 
and even magicians, you know, especially the ones that magicians, are magicians. Yeah, we've worked exactly. with plenty of magicians, and yeah. I'm going, man, this guy works in 50 different countries. Yeah, right. But comedy is so language intensive and specific, and the yeah. beats and the and the rhythms and and if one little word that they don't understand, the joke's gone. It's toast. But I mean, I, I get by by being friendly, I suppose, and that kind of right. offsets a bit. I've been to Ireland too, as well. I had, okay. I had one of the best sets of my life in Ireland in Belfast. But, in uh, Belfast, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, you didn't do the because I stopped in the uh, comedy festival there, the Cat Laughs, and um, oh wow, nice Kilkenny, Kilkenny. And I just happened to be in England, and someone booked a gig for me over there, so, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Now, Avi said that the the black comics when they go to Israel, they kill. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping that was just me, but I guess that's just... <laughs> but more, more so, because originally I thought, oh, the Jewish comics would do better. Right, right. And they go, no, they love the, they love the, the black comics. Yeah, I can see that, because I think... I think it's just something different. Well, I think like with a black crowd, I can kill, but it's also like they're judging me on, on a different scale, because it's like some of the stuff, they can, they, they're like, well, we can do this at home. You know, yeah, we yeah. <laughs> we don't need you to do this. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Now, talk about uh, Africa a little bit. You were—I yeah, yeah. was in South Africa last year. Well, oh, nice. it was right. It was like two months before the World Cup started. Oh, I know cool. you were—they uh, were there around the same time, like the week, the week leading up to the World Cup. Yeah. And were you now? How did that come across? You had been to Africa before. I've been there before. It's weird. I've been there a bunch of times, and it's like different people bringing bringing me there okay um a guy in london booked it for me a comedy club in johannesburg called uh parker's comedy club this guy named is joe parker and um so i just happened to book it right at that time Mm -hmm. which is kind of good so i remember i grew up with uh i don't know we're almost the same age i'm a little older than you but i mean i had albums i still have some of them right there and you know like richard pryor was one of my favorite guys and i still have the album where he talked about africa Right, and it right, really right. changed him. You know, it moved him in a way. I don't know. Did you feel the same kind of way, or what? Did you? Um, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, what I like about South Africa is that it's it's more of a mirror of uh, America in a sense because you know we have um, they have colonialism, we had slavery. It's different, but some shades right. of similar similarities, and uh, so the people there. You know, I do feel a, a kinship to them. You know, sometimes I dare say more than maybe some black people here, actually, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it's the, the funny thing about Africa, there's one little side funny story that it, it's, it could be a mere coincidence or it could be like something that's a little cosmic, right? I called my, my grandmother who raised me, I called her Gogo. That was my nickname for her. And so when I, you know, came of age i was like uh i i asked my grandmother why do we call you gogo where does that even come from and she said well you gave me that nickname and i'm like well how could i give you that nickname i never <laughs> and basically when i was a kid i just started calling her gogo mm-hmm. now it could be i could not maybe i wasn't able to say grandma or maybe her name was gloria so i don't know if i was trying to say gloria but whatever the case i don't have a memory of that my whole life i called her gogo and everyone else called her gogo but so and someone told me this because I I, used, I did a joke about it on stage. Turns out in Africa, there's a lot of languages, and I guess some they share some similarities in words. And Gogo in like most of Southern Africa is a direct translation for grandmother. Oh, really? Yeah, and we didn't know that. Like, <laughs> how could we? I made it up, right? Or sort of made it up. 
And uh, so that kind of those kind of little connections and things happen, you know. Was there anything there that you went in whatever country in Africa that you didn't expect? Something that was the most surprising to you? Um, I think in South Africa, I didn't realize during apartheid they had uh, they the way they separated people was a little bit different than here. You know, mm-hmm. here you, we had like rules like uh, if you're one eighth black i think you're black or one sixteenth, and I, I don't know how that worked right. i didn't want to prove that and stuff but there they have so basically what we have here is everyone's black you know like uh well that they had colored yeah and then they had black and then it was Over like there, yeah, strated, yeah 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 here wesley snipes is black <laughs> beyonce is black and obama and obama is black yeah, right right I mean, even though we know it's just half as white. white yeah yeah <laughs> over there obama would be colored yeah so they they and the thing is because of that, the blacks and coloreds they they have a there's somewhat of a connection. It's a hierarchy, not as much as you would think. Yeah, like yeah. basically, the colored people were higher up during apartheid, and now they're lower. Yes, because of the ones in control now, yeah, yeah, are black, either black or white. Yeah, but the blacks who are in control, I think there's some. It's like so now it's time some, for our this, uh, revenge. And it's weird. It seemed like all their anger would be toward white people, which I'm sure some of it is, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is toward these these <laughs> colored people, you know. And um, it's a weird thing. And and but the reality is that like blacks in America, we we have a similarity. I think we're, we're, we're in a way more similar to the colored people. In a way, after a show in South Africa, I had a guy come up to me who's just as dark as me, maybe a little lighter. He's like, "Hey, bro." You know, you're from the States, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, hey, you're colored. And I was like, well, I, I don't know, maybe. I, I, I like to think of myself as black, but whatever. He's like, no, no, man, you're colored. You're colored. And he was colored. And he right, like recruiting me almost. It was just kind of. One of us. One of us. And, and I'm looking at him like, why? You know, you would just be black in the States. So maybe you should just. It's a lot of work. But yeah. I, I, I spend a lot of time talking to my friends when I'm over there. And I'll just keep naming famous people who are, who are black. And, <laughs> right. and they'll Morgan tell me, Freeman. And then you throw out uh, Sidney Poitier. <laughs> and they tell me who's colored and who's black. And I'm trying to stump right. them. Will Smith, colored. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not all, it's not only complexion, too. It's really weird. Because yeah. I, I was like, Beyonce, colored. Jay-Z, black. I was like, okay. Chris Brown. And they, they went, ooh. <laughs> 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 He's so light. But they were like. And they said he might be light skinned black, and I'm like, wait a second. If that exists, then what? How many different stratas are there? Yeah, I it's, mean... it's weird over there. But they also have their tribes and different languages, mm-hmm. and so it's a whole thing. Who came to the shows? I mean, in the um, clubs, were the clubs still pretty segregated? The, the clubs, and... no. The clubs are like probably fifty percent white, and then fifty percent everything else, and everything else is black, colored, right. Indian. Asians uh, and some Asians, yeah. Did um, but but uh, but I've also done all black shows there, different times that are where that would be like seventy or eighty percent black, maybe sixty percent black, and then forty percent colored white Indian. Wow, B- yeah, big yeah. difference in the reactions, or um, somewhat. I mean, I think the 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 black people there are they get into it a little bit more, but they don't they don't typically like as much raunchiness as we can stomach here. Really? Yeah, for whatever reason, they don't. There's not a clown that comes and takes you off. No, no, no. You can, you can be raunchy, <laughs> but 
It'll <laughs> go to the Apollo. Yeah, you can be Homie the Clown it. comes out. And, yeah. No. I think watching this is like fine, but I do think people have to be become acclimated to it. Yeah. You know, and uh, since, which works since I'm not too raunchy, but like sometimes if you do a show here, like especially like a hood show deep in the hood, it's like they almost expect it at this point. Yeah. You know? I also remember the getting back to the race thing. It was always the Richard Pryor's bit of when he asked the guy what tribe he thought he came from. It's like, what tribe, what tribe do you think I'm from? And the guy said, Italian. Ah! <laughs> he goes, that's when I knew someone in my family has been lying to me. That's funny. <laughs> that is so hilarious. You look Italian, man. You look Italian. I was there about a month, like I said, a couple months before the World Cup started. Yeah, you were in Cape Town? Or I was in Cape Town Cape for the Town. most part. Yeah. I, I didn't get to see much of Johannesburg. Uh-huh. I, mean, I flew in there, and we went to a, a game reserve, uh, a little mini safari up, oh, you know, nice, north, nice. up by uh, Sun City up okay. there. Yeah, yeah. Palanisburg was the... Uh, yeah. Reserve there, but I mean, it was way, huge I'm reserve. Not, I ain't gonna play Sun City. I don't know if people know. <laughs> on me means. either. Oh yeah, <laughs> I did that joke up there. Nothing. Right. Nobody. Like, well, how old are you, sir? They I'm probably sorry. never heard that song. Actually, oh, yeah. you know? uh, I remember it. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing. But now I guess that's integrated. They had I think to integrate. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, cheap Vegas. You know, basically, yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's well, the, the Vegas equivalent of everything is a casino there. I want you to finish your point, but everything is a casino there. It's weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. But um, I remember seeing them working furiously. The roads still weren't finished. They were still doing it. They were like yeah, cramming yeah. it in, trying they, to finish two it. Two months before. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I said, I don't think they're going to make it. The fact that they did it, I was amazed. Yeah, they got it done. They pulled um, it off. But boy, it was dicey there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. I pictured, I took a photo of these guys, like these workers all around the new Cape Town Stadium. Uh-huh. Like doing the, uh, the walkways and the concrete and stuff. Right, right. <laughs> and like 12 of them. Half of them were lying asleep. The other half, like four of them were playing cards. <laughs> you know? Wow. I said, I don't know if it's going to get done. I don't know if it's going to get done. I remember talking to a cab driver and he goes, you know what? Uh, these guys are, they're getting paid. You know, the, it's basically, it was a big jobs program, mm. you know? And they said, at the, at the very least, they got to work for, you know, they got a paycheck for, for well, a little while. And, you know, I'm thinking the world is like a monopoly. And I don't know if this is going to like uh, really out whatever my... Philo- uh, economic philosophies are or p- political philosophies but if you're playing you know Monopoly and one person wins like decidedly wins luck of the die or maybe they they rig the dice but they they have all the major and they just they just won yeah so you either stop playing or, or you person, borrow more to, right. to play or the person who has the money gives you more because if he wants to keep playing then you keep playing yeah that, that's those are the only two options at that point. So I'm not sure if we're at a point now where the Monopoly game is over, but it feels like we're approaching it. <laughs> no, I mean, they likened it like the whole financial collapse here. They likened it to a, it's the same thing as a poker game. Right. Eventually, right. it comes down to like two guys have all the money. Yeah. And you're either going to borrow more to stay in and play, just to play. Just and to now play. people have to, if they want to keep it going, their lifestyle here, right, right. you got to keep borrowing. To play, you right. know, whether it's college, whether it's, it's to buy a home, yeah. you got to keep amassing all this debt that we never used to have to take in just right, to right. just to keep playing the game. Yeah, and since money is made up anyway, it's like. But then that then those people feel like, well, the people lending the money are like, I don't know if this costs. They're like, you're never going to pay us back. And we're like, yeah, that's right. But it's just some sort of, it's it's forcing capitalism to be a little socialistic. Yeah. Because you have no choice uh, unless you just stop. 
Well, unless you go, okay, well, we'll take some money from you, and then we'll give you back the money. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't know. I don't know. This. Well, you grew up in the inner city, and you've seen yes. poor. You've seen poor. Yeah, yeah. Um, not, not, not like but that, Mississippi poor, but project yeah, poor. Yeah, pro- but city poor. You <laughs> city know what poor, I mean? yeah, yeah. But it's still nothing once you get out of the, around right, the world. It's still nothing. Yeah, you're right. You're and right about that. Seeing that, I mean, can you describe it to people back home when you go back there and go, no, we thought we were. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> We right. thought we had it bad, but we still got water that we can drink coming out exactly. of the. Exactly. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> like the rappers are always talking about how bad they had it. But I think um, even here in L.A., I live in a, a neighborhood that's pretty solid, but there's a gang element, you know. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's like pride, like violence is pride related here in this country, at least. People think, oh, you know, I have to be in the gang because I have to feed my family. It's like, well, your family can probably eat on a dollar a day. Like, so right. you have to feed your family well. What do you have to, you have to give yeah. them Nikes? Like, what yeah, exactly? You're apparently feeding them big screen TVs. Is right, what right, right, right. <laughs> you know? And I get, I get that, you know, they're saying, well, I live in America. I shouldn't have to eat cat food. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But just don't tell me you have to do something. And I think... To see how, like the like when I was in um, Tanzania, I was in a we spent the night at a refugee camp, and the refugees were for um, Burundi, which is near Uganda, mm-hmm. and so they were refugees from the whole uh, Tutsu. Um, oh, the yeah, the Hutu, Hutu thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hotel Rwanda, Tutsi, Hutu, yeah, yeah. They were refugees. It was a genocide. I mean, it was they were refugees from that, and like to see them and like. I think I had a bottle of water, right? Finished drinking the water. Just, I put the bottle down. They're like, do you need that? I'm like, no. And they take it. And, and like, they don't want it because it's some magical thing. Yeah. They, they actually, they're actually going to find a use for it. And to think that, like, in their world, like, everything gets used. They're going to use that bottle to walk miles to a well. Yeah, and yeah. fill it up. Hopefully, fill it up. Or if they have to cut <laughs> it, sometimes with and, and gasoline, use, they gotta use it if they need it for that. Use the plastic. Yeah, and I th- I just think that. So, I see both sides. I see like the side of like people saying Americans don't have a right to complain because we're not as poor as others. Right. But I also see the other side of like, um, you know, that's our strength, and if we have to keep it that way, or else we will be like these other countries, and have like. You know, keep the middle class or else we're going to be a third world country. That's well, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I, we've been to these countries. I tell people here, as the middle class shrinks, you don't want to live in those countries where there's no middle class. I mean, right. walking through Cape Town or any of these places, uh, Brazil or whatever it is, right, it's right. like, you know, when 5% of the people own everything, it's not just you don't live in a gated community. That gate is like barbed wire with razor wire yeah, and electrified. Electrified, yes. And, and yes. It's, it's not just you don't have a parking garage. You have an armed guard there 24-7. Right, and right, right. You've you got to live in these compounds, and that's just... Right. And it's like, could that, for that 5%, I guess, is that worth living like that? You yeah. Know? And I, we're, not, we're kind of far away from that point because we still have a middle class in the U.S. But um, we have to save the middle class. But also, people who are poor have to understand that Especially poor in the U.S., I don't. I don't think killing people justifies is a justification. I don't think being poor is a justification for killing people. But or, I mean, I mean you see disagree. the riots in London now. Yeah, 
But they're I mean, writing. That's a lot just to get a TV. I mean, that's what a lot of it is. Yeah, it's yeah, just right, like right, you see right. the, you know what I mean? You see the opportunity. It's like I'm going to get something now while I can do it. And they right, right. But so, the thing about London is they, because of their socialistic kind of ways, they don't. Their entitlement is um, different than ours. They don't think they're going to be rich, but they do think they're going to be taken care of. Yes. We don't think we're going to be taken care of, but we do think we're going to be rich. Mm-hmm. This is, is, you know. I, the, my favorite article about that that I ever read was uh, an interview once with Elvis Costello, uh-huh. who uh, you know grew up in England. He, they asked him what the differences were. And uh, he said, you know, picture every small town that's got the big mansion on a hill. Right. And uh, in America, those kids who grow up in the town look at that mansion and go, one day that's going to be me. I'm going to have the car. I'm going to have the big house. I'm going to have the... And I said, in England, we grow up and they look at it and go, one day I hope that old bastard gets what's coming to him. Right, right. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, <laughs> and so, right. but, uh, but that's just the thing of, of a country just being older. We're just a young country. Exactly. And, uh, but once your family's been poor for five, six, seven generations, a couple hundred years, you just accept it. That, like, that's the way it's right, always right. going to be. Right. And you might as well just see what the system can yeah, for you know, it's rigged against us. Right. So right, why, right. you know, exactly, exactly. So when you're in Africa, what do the Africans ask you most of all about America, and what are what are their perceptions? Uh, it's crazy because I think I'm hanging out with like because I'm one of my friends there is like pretty big comic there. He's like one of the first black guys to do stand up, and so and he's really funny and he's one of the big guys. So I feel I'm hanging out with like the upper crust. Right. So I'm getting a, a skewed view, you know, like my my buddy. You're hanging out with the five percent, maybe. Yeah, you know, <laughs> comedically, not not the five percent. Comedic five percent. Yeah, not the not the right. people who own the, the the highways or whatever. Right. Like, right. I know the state the state owns the highways, but yeah, like I went over his house and I tell people, oh, I went over my friend David Cow's house and uh, he's been living there for a few years and he was celebrating. So they killed a a, a goat. They did a mm-hmm. sheep or a goat. Are they the same thing? No, different, right? Yeah, they're good. yeah, they're different. What did he kill? Probably a sheep. Okay, because it's lamb, right? <laughs> yeah, he killed the sheep in his backyard, and we ate it. And he and then people and so that conjures up images of like you in Africa and this you're in some hut, like it's you like, hunted it. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> no, it's like a subdivision. It looks like Valencia. He he bought a sheep from some guy. He took it to the butcher. <laughs> he killed it in his backyard for ceremonial reasons. Took it to the butcher and the butcher cut it up, and we ate it in his big house, his <laughs> yeah. four bedroom house with his Mercedes and Benz outside, and his friends came over and his Range Rovers and and so you might have been with the five percent. So <laughs> if I don't tell the whole story, you think right? You were in a hut. Yeah, yeah. And we were, we 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 ate it. <laughs> Everyone had a loincloth on, and we ate this meat. And no, it's, it wasn't. And I, and I'm talking to Dave, and I'm like, uh, Dave. Um, why did you? Why did you just let the butcher kill it? Because since the butcher cut it up anyway, he's like, no, it's it's to be thankful for the gods and you know just to give thanks and so the blood has to be spilt here in my backyard and then we take it to the butcher, and I'm like you know maybe too American or something. And I go, oh okay, so so like a sacrifice. And they all went, hey 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 hey, <laughs> easy. And I'm like, isn't that exactly what you just? Maybe maybe because you're eating it, it's not a sacrifice. I don't know, but it's just weird. It's, so they have that mixture. <laughs> it's like, hey, this isn't voodoo. Yeah. This isn't that shit. <laughs> it's that mixture of old and new. I mean, right. you still killed the sheep in your backyard. 
which looks like any backyard in L.A. or Valencia or something. <laughs> and then you put it in your car, <laughs> in your Range Rover, and you drove it to the butcher. So, so like, those guys, they love America. They, they try to, like, mm-hmm. emulate our fashion and whatnot. And there's a sentiment that they want to come here to make it big because, because of our market, because America is so big. When you you begin to realize that people are currency in some sort of way, but because America is so big, it's like you can be the biggest comic in South Africa, but you're the biggest comic in a small pond. In a small, yeah, and you want to, so they all want to come here and make it big. Now, as far as the the people who are not rich, the helpers and the guy who takes your car or cleans your room, they're always like, hey, they all they all want to like. They all want me to put them in my luggage and bring them here or something. <laughs> so I think the perception that we're doing all right, even even after the financial meltdown, I think people still want to come here because it's the land of plenty. Mm-hmm. But it's it's we also work more than any other. Pe- other I, I mean, except people who do manual labor. But our yeah. I think we have longer hours than other. We do and less vacation time and yeah, yeah. some of the least in the world of any industrialized nation. Yeah, yeah. So. It's that Puritan thing, man. That's the reason they were kicked out of every country right. in Europe. <laughs> right. All that early to bed, early to rise shit. Okay, yeah. Right. Good luck. Good luck to the New World pilgrim with right. your little buckle hat and right, right. your Bible and you, you know suffering. Okay, good luck. Bye bye. Right, right. We'll, exactly. we'll keep our siesta. Uh-huh. I hope I've given you insight. I don't know if I've given you insight. Oh, insight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I just want to know. Oh, remember the one? Speaking of, you talk about the fashion. Uh-huh. I just love that joke you did about the guy. With oh, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I had a layover. I've been to Paris twice, but I had a layover on my way to Africa. And I saw this guy on the train, this black guy in Paris. And I was like, what is going on? Because like African dudes, they try to dress like us, American blacks. And they come close, but it's <laughs> it's always something off. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, eesh. African, African guy will like go and buy a brand new... Fubu sweatsuit with dress shoes. And you're like, oh, no, we don't wear wingtips with the Fubu, Utasi. <laughs> we don't tuck it in either. Take, take that tie off. Seriously. So. Oh, I love that joke. Okay, yeah. so uh, your favorite city for nightlife? I'm going to say other than New York. Right. I'm a New Yorker. You can say New York, too. But... No, probably Tokyo. Okay, yeah, Tokyo yeah, yeah, is a good yeah. one. Tokyo is a good one. There's some stuff. There's, yeah. Favorite town or country for women <laughs> gonna say tokyo no um <laughs> putting you on the spot here favorite city for women yeah it's that is really <laughs> really a tough question i do think that like those eastern block countries their women are like outrageous mm-hmm. like every woman there just comes here and she's a supermodel you know but i would i would say, like the czech republic and yeah, all those yeah, yeah even okay. croatia croatia was yeah Probably uh, Montreal. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're hot up there. Yeah. And there's everything. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Okay. Probably Montreal. But, I mean, all these cities that we've mentioned are really... And South Africa also has beautiful women. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd say the city of Joburg. But South Africa is, is up there, big time up there. But I would give Montreal the, the nod. Yeah, Some place yeah. you could go back to a million times and never get tired of. That you look forward to it every yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, in Joburg, I didn't drive, and you have to drive. So that, that kind of – and Tokyo is cool, but it's, you know, people like – they wear those masks when they have a cold. It can it's be overwhelming. Little, and it's, it's a little too polite, and, yeah. uh, but it's not like they're all uber nice. They're just uber polite. Yeah. And I don't like when people are polite but not nice. Yeah, I found that too. You know what I mean? I would say uh, Toronto. Toronto is my favorite city outside of New York. Really? Yeah, yeah. 
And it could just be that one time. I've been there a few times, but just something about it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, I didn't think you would. I like the of all the uh, places. I like the well, Montreal and to- Toronto with you. You're Canada, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the, the Chinatown, me. and uh, it's really nice. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean, Paris probably would be really high up on this high right. up on this list, but I don't speak <laughs> French. Uh, Rome was great, but I, I've mm-hmm. only been to Rome. I haven't been to the other parts of Italy. Yeah. Favorite airline? Israel is great. Favorite airline? That's that's probably easy. That's probably uh, Emirates. Emirates. Yeah, yeah. I have not flown them. You know why? Because when I flew Emirates, just the um, Qatar you did to uh, Dubai, Dubai, like okay. two different times. It's a really silly reason. I mean, because wait. When I flew to, uh, it's tough because when I the last time I went to Dubai, I flew on KLM. Okay. And their business class is really nice. So is British Airways, but KLM, I was I was sitting with Ice Cube on the plane. Oh. It was really nice. Not with them, but in the same like 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 two rows behind them. You know. <laughs> yay yay! So <laughs> I was trying to get his attention. It didn't work. The flight attendant's like, you know, would you would you like something to drink? Yay yay. <laughs> Did he, did he turn around? No. But uh, you really want to piss him <laughs> off every every five minutes? Go. Hey, are we there yet? Right. Are we there yet? Right. Hey, Ice, are we there yet? <laughs> Can you believe that? A gangster rapper. I know. Now he's on suburban dad. Yet? Yeah. <laughs> but so here's the thing with Emirates. They have. Uh, oh man, in KLM they also give you these little Dutch houses. Of what? Of filled with liquid, like these little Dutch. Kind of like replica houses, yeah, <laughs> oh, really? and it's filled with some sort of liquid. What's the liquid? Um, you I can mean, eat alcohol, it. Or... Alcohol. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't drink. Like soap for your like. Yeah, right. of... It's it's mystery liquid. You don't know what it is. <laughs> it's either soap, lotion, or something you yeah, drink. Some kind of explosive. Yeah, I don't know what. It... But here's the thing with Emirates, and I'm. You could tell I'm really I like I like music a lot. I, and maybe other airlines have this. You're on like a eight, uh, you know, fourteen hour flight or whatever the yeah. case, and. The music, one of the selections, they have all the number one hits in the UK from from when the charts first started. So, like, all the number one pop hits in the some UK. Like from the 50s? From, um, like, 55 or something. Wow. And and I actually went through every year. I didn't play every song, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I had time for that. But I went through every year. And that, that kind of thing was really cool. Because <laughs> then you, you begin to realize two things. One... There's so many songs that are remakes that you didn't know are remakes. Oh, yeah. There's that. But also, in the UK, they have such a Christmas tradition that every year in the UK... So or, half of those were Christmas songs? In December. Every year around December, someone will drop a Christmas song. It'll shoot right to the ch- top of the charts. <laughs> Which here, when people do a Christmas album, you're like, that's a swan song. It's like, yeah, uh, you had nothing to do. Geez. What's next? A cookbook? You know, like, uh... <laughs> Neil Diamond had to come up with something else. <laughs> right. And so I, I just I enjoyed that so much having a- access to that music that I would I, that shot them okay. to the top. Least favorite airline. Uh well, not not internationally it would be Spirit Air. Ooh. My mom just flew them and hated it. Yeah. I I really hated it. They made <laughs> me pay for carry-on. Right. But one caveat, I wrote a blog about it. <laughs> But I will say this, on the way back from Chicago, I flew Spirit Air to Chicago. On the way back, they bumped me from my flight. Oh. I was late. I wasn't like, didn't make the flight late. I made the flight, but it's still, I wasn't there on time to get a seat assignment. Okay. So I'd have to, I have to take some of the blame for that. But they bumped me from my flight, and I'm like, damn it, Spirit Air, God damn it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back and add to that blog I wrote, right? But 
the guy was cool. They made me volunteer, and I'm doing air quotes, people at home. Okay. So I had to volunteer to give up my seat, which they bumped me from. It was either that or get 200% of the money. So, you know, here's 400 bucks, 500 bucks, and how am I going to get to L.A. with that, right? <laughs> yeah. But the guy was nice. Instead of putting me on, because I had a connection. So he's like, we're going to get you there three hours later, and you have to connect through, you know, North Carolina or something crazy. Right. I'm coming from Chicago. <laughs> Instead, I, I didn't lose my cool. And so Spirit Air, I will say they have some good employees. He walks me over to Virgin Airlines. Oh, Direct flight to L.A. I get in like, you know, hour and a half earlier than I was supposed to. Oh, they and redeemed st- themselves. And I still have the free trip that I can use later. But I don't even know if I want to use it on Spirit Air. <laughs> yeah. So you never had the experience of, uh, I don't know, in Eastern Europe or flying one of those old Russian planes or anything like that? I just um, had that to Cuba. It was Well, well I had some, oof, something like some that. Some Soviet-era plane. Oh, my God. I had some of the, one of those in Vietnam. And Is that, that right? Oh, man. Well, I've still got the ashtrays and the yeah, armrests. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> Well, he gave me well, – another thing is uh, Seth Rogen was on that flight with me. Okay. That, that Virgin Air flight. And I took that as a sign. Since I didn't talk to Ice Cube, I was on, I was on a plane with Ice Cube for 10 hours. And, I mean – And you, three, you never said a word. And I was sitting next to Tommy Davidson, who knows Ice Cube. And Tommy talked to him. You know? Do you know, do you know Tommy? Yeah. I was sitting there. You I, had an N. You couldn't even – Tommy didn't introduce me. Oh, and Ice Cube has a song from back in his gangster rap days about not liking male groupies. And that song popped in my head. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't have this guy be disrespectful to me. I better not say anything. Hey, groupie, all. you're a fellow entertainer. I know. We're and you're in, on a plane to Dubai. We're in we... world business class together, you know? <laughs> I mean, I've had different experiences. Like uh, some of them, this one airline is so tiny. In uh, Tanzania, I flew like. In the Cessna, they flew yeah, us, yeah. They flew us the around. Propeller and the worm. And we would just, we'd have to like, like find a place to land. You know, that was. <laughs> yeah. And in, and when I do the military shows, you fly the C, C-30s or the C. Oh, yeah, the, the transport. And you're plane. flying facing the middle of the plane. You, you're like, you're not like facing the cockpit. Oh, it's, yeah, you're against the wall. You're against and you, the wall and oof. they strap you in. You're in mesh. Yeah. You're not even, it's not even a seat. It's mesh. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to have earplugs in. So that's a little. Right. Not comfortable. All right. Well, finally, for people who uh, don't travel a lot, how do you convince people, whether they're friends or other people that aren't really into travel, to travel? And what do you get out of it? You know, I'm 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 not a uh, I don't know if I'm atypical as far as, tra- as traveling goes, because I don't do the tourist things because I'm 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 usually there working. But you, when you travel, the whole thing about traveling is meeting other people and getting that other perspective about life things that are going on. So if I, you know, for me, when you travel, you'll learn more about yourself. And, um, and I think any new experience is, is going to be good. So my, my thing to people is uh, some people have different hangups about the people, about the food, about all of that. Everywhere I've ever been, it's either been, it's usually not what I expected. And everywhere I've ever been, the people are usually nicer than I expected them to be. So that's why people should definitely travel. All right. Thanks, Dwayne. Thank you, Mike. Traveling man.